This is the Barneys Podcast. I'm Noor Tagori, and today I will be talking to Tony Leo and Lindsay Schuyler. You may not be familiar with their names, but you are definitely familiar with their Instagram account, Diet Prada. Or Diet Prada. <laughs> <laughs> no explanation needed. Fast Company called them two of the year's most creative people in business, and for good reason. They post witty, well-researched takedowns of fashion houses, designers, and celebrities knocking each other off. They get accounts shut down, and they get designers to pull pieces from their collections that just weren't right. But they've also amplified the voices of smaller designers getting ripped off by major clothing companies. And they are not afraid to call out the racism and cultural appropriation rampant in the industry. I had heard of Dioprada and thought their work was really interesting, but it wasn't until I turned up in their feed myself that I realized the true extent of their reach. Luckily, they weren't calling me out for copying someone. It was when I was misidentified in Vogue magazine, and they did what Diet Prada does. They called out Vogue on the mistake and their lack of representation. The account now has over a million followers, and they've become real people of influence in the fashion industry, which is why I was really interested to sit down and talk to them about what Diet Prada has become. Hi, Hi, Tony and Lindsay. I'm so, so, so thrilled that we are here. Uh, we start off every episode asking what you're wearing today, but I also want to ask why. You go first. You have more of a story. That's <laughs> what we should really talk about yes. in my Ralph Simmons Calvin Klein fireman jacket. It like full-blown fireman jacket. It's like a fireman opera coat, though. Like, I'm pretty obsessed with it. Like, yeah. if I die soon, like, bury me in that. I thought you said I could He's have it. Okay, face. no, I leave it to Nor. Bury me in my green private dress. We have dress. this on record. What about you? Why are you wearing what you're wearing? I actually just bought this yesterday at Barney's, not specifically for this. It's Balenciaga pink shirt. It's like super cropped. Um, I think like on models, the sleeves would be like three quarters, but on me it's normal because I'm like not like super tall. Um, But I have a thing for like interesting shirts. And it's pink. Both of you look so bright today. I'm so excited. So how would you define Diet Prada's voice and role in the fashion industry? Witty, sarcastic, educated. 14-year-old. Gossip girl. Gossip girl, yes. You know, I think it's it's a very honest platform, and it is very personal, regardless of what people think of the account or what how they've conflated it um, because of, you know, the number of followers or the blue check mark, any, like, added sense of legitimacy that is or isn't there. But, you know, we're just posting kind of, like, what we feel from the heart and also what what people want to talk about, things that the industry is ignoring at large. It's a space where everyone can come to talk about this. And, you know, you have CEOs of luxury companies, you have supermodels, um, celebrities reading and engaging. And the fact that, like, this discourse is happening on our page is, like, pretty incredible. Both of you started in design. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about how your foundation in design led you to here and if you would ever want to go back? Yeah, starting in design, I mean, it was just, like... You know, I was like, I have a passion for fashion. So yeah, I wound up going to school for apparel design, fashion merchandising, and textiles. So I kind That's of amazing. like ran the gamut. Moved here and I was like, I want to do hats because that was my thing. I liked to make them at home. I wound up getting a job at a hat design place and met Tony and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, I've also kind of like done a lot of things. Um, I originally like was went to college for painting, fine arts. 
I was studying fashion history with this one professor and she was like, you should write. Like she liked my writing and (laughs) now I'm writing Instagram captions. Hey. (laughs) Which get more reads and clicks than articles do sometimes. Like it's it's interesting because there's such a transition now of how we consume content, but the way that you write your captions are thorough and detailed and basically condensed articles. I'd actually like to know the first time you've heard people use the term like, oh, diet product or like people using you as the standard as being in check. Yeah. (laughs) Now there are so many articles with like these upstart um, social media kind of advocacy call out accounts that say, you know, it's the diet product of whatever. But I remember like it was like a year and a half ago, maybe that you actually called out like, I think we just became like a verb. (laughs) But that's also rooted in the name itself. So give us a little bit of briefing about the history of the name diet, which comes from Diet Coke, and Prada, which is Prada. So we, when we met, we were in a very Diet Coke-heavy office. <laughs> <laughs> this is not how I thought it was going to go. Okay, go. Um, it's kind of a, like an omnipresent beverage, I feel like, in the fashion industry, <laughs> um, which may or may not have been replaced by, like, LaCroix water these days. So we were in this really Diet Coke heavy office. Like Diet Cokes are kind of just like constantly everywhere. And so we're like, Diet Coke is the original imitator because it's imitating Coke. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're like, Prada to us is, you know, the original. Like she just is this amazing reinventor and, you know, kind of both of our favorite, obviously. It was also like a period where I think Prada was kind of experiencing a renaissance or it was a moment where like everyone was kind of referencing her collections. Like she had some like stellar collections. I mean, she still does, but um, there were motifs that everyone was kind of like swiping from her. Like we were still seeing the fallout, I feel like around the time that we started the account from the spring 2011 collection, which is one of my absolute favorites. How many people reach out to you for help or with tips every day? I I don't even know if we could like count it. I would guess now it's probably in the hundreds to possibly thousands. Wow. So try to read all of them. Yeah, you have to like kind of filter through. It becomes really obvious when someone is just like, I I want a little bit of press that comes with, you know, being on DP. It's, you know, they're saying they're being copied and it's just really like not a copy. Like, And I was going to ask specifically about the serious need of help. Do you ever feel like a sense of responsibility towards people who are coming to you for that kind of help because they really do feel like they're being wronged? Definitely. And I mean, we've seen some great effect from it, too, with people having to, like, remove stolen designs. It's it's kind of like the old David and Goliath story, just like there's these little guys in this big industry up against these, you know, huge people. And design protection in a legal sense is very, very lax. So even if these people have the resources to bring up a legal case, chances are you might not even really win anything at the end of it. Like the money payouts tend to be so small or they might be able to take the product down for sale, but it can turn into, you know, a knockdown drag out battle. And half the time it's, you know, a jewelry designer that might be a team of two people against a multi-million dollar conglomerate who has a legal team. And or you've seen issues like that with H&M and Zara in like oh, taking absolutely. art or things like that. Like how, how do you and how do we as consumers work to elevate the smaller designers' voices and work. 
I think just, yeah, pay attention and tune in to the <laughs> to Dyer Prada and support them, like chime into the comments. That says so much. I think when, you know, these brands see the offenders, see kind of how much engagement is happening, like the pressure is really on them to respond and do the right thing. And we've seen that happen so much with like Target, with um, Anthropology. Um, but, you know, they do it again and again. So, yeah. And another tack to that is maybe, you know, if you see our post and you feel this drive to go write something nasty on the offending parties comment, maybe go to the original designer's message page instead and follow them and, you know, leave a message of support if it's something you're into. Like, let's have more positivity. Turn that into a positive. Yeah. Turn seen, that frown upside down. We've seen, um, <laughs> you know, the upsides of like, you know, this happened with Target and Felix Dion, who's a queer Mexican artist. Um, they knocked off his artwork for a Pride t-shirt l- last year, two years ago. Last year. Um, and he ended up getting so much traffic and sales on his Etsy page as a result. So that's one way that, you know, everyone can show their support too. Um, aside from the comments is, you know. So as horrible as it is, you end up drawing awareness to it. And then that smaller designer and our artist gets more attention Sometimes, yeah, it sometimes pans out that way. It's a better outcome than if they even pursued it in a legal sense, and it's it's swifter and yeah. more visible. So, and people pay attention. People remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever end up having to work with like law enforcement on a situation like that, or do no. they ever reference you? I've seen our name pop up in like court documents as evidence for suits. I think like there's definitely like moments where like should we post this, but we always kind of like go ahead and do it, you know, if we feel like it's probably true. Is it a gut feeling? It's a gut feeling. You know, we're not just out there posting whatever information we get, but... I think it's just one of those different things in the social media age that we kind of are operating this ourselves and we don't have, like... We do all our own fact-checking and that type of thing, so it's one of those, you know, at the end of the day, we're kind of like, it's an opinion site. What is your fact-checking process? Um, I mean, just research generally trying to not only get to the bottom of like the individual case that we're looking at the designers, you know, in question the history of their pieces, but then also trying to draw on our own knowledge of, have we seen this before, you know, from somebody else? Are they actually both looking at, you know, old Moschino or like something that's an antique piece from a museum archive somewhere, things like that we've seen happen where somebody's like, Oh, this, they knocked off my friend. It's like your friend knocked off something that's like at the Met. How is it that you, I mean, it's so, it keeps so many people in awe to know that you have so much knowledge where you're able to look at a piece and be like, oh, isn't that from this year by this designer? Is that all just both of you's knowledge and history on fashion and art? Or are you still studying and learning? In the beginning, like it, was just us running it but in the past like two years that it's exploded like we get so many tips now and we're learning so much about like you know periods that maybe weren't of interest for us before but we both definitely have our areas of focus that you know like be it personal like um interest or like something that we studied and we're really lucky because we're um getting to travel these days and that also means we've got kind of a wealth of fashion exhibitions and stuff and art exhibitions and things all over the world that, you know, when we travel, we really try to get every chance we have to squeeze those in because I think it is really important to keep, 
you know, expanding your view of what's out there. Absolutely. Travel costs a lot of money, though. And keeping up with DP and the work that you do, I mean, it's obviously a full-time job. How how is it sustainable? Merch for now. (laughs) Buy a t-shirt. Several. (laughs) For your friends and a phone case. Stickers and keychain. (laughs) Dietermerch.com. Yeah, we do some branded partnerships with like museums and like fashion brands that have exhibitions at museums or their own foundations. Um, but, you know, those are hard to come by. We end up turning down most things. Like there are some luxury brands that we're trying to figure out a way to work with, but, you know, we kind of like are not eye to eye yet. But we're like keeping our eyes on each other. And when you have done paid partnerships, what's usually the response and reaction from your audience? When it's a good fit and it's something that we feel like we vet it out. You get the occasional like hater who's like, ah, like they're impartial because they need money to pay their rent and eat food. And then we get a bunch of bunch you of mean people. you need to pay rent and eat food. I know, isn't it crazy? Prada doesn't just let me stay <laughs> in the store at night. That's... We're not real people, obviously. We yeah. are just bots that are managing this account <laughs> that don't need to eat. Beep, um, boop, beep, boop. And how did you get connected to the Prada team originally? Because you also have a close relationship with them. That was in Milan, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was checking the DMs and we got a message from you know who and was like, hey, do you want to come to the show? And we were like, "Um, we're going back home right now. We're like literally almost at the airport. Um, Lindsay was getting, had to get married like a week after. You had to get married. You had to. You just had to. (laughs) So basically we are like, okay, we would love absolutely to come to the Prada show, but like we're at the airport and yeah. he's like, stay there. We'll send a van for you. And so Prada like, sent a van. So they kidnapped you. They kidnapped yeah. us and brought us back into Milan. Not nervous at all. Not nervous at all, but definitely nervous. was like, Lindsay I am cried wearing... in the car. You cried? I I maybe did cry. That's you right. Did cry. But what you kind definitely of cry? cried. Happy crying. Okay. Okay. I okay. like to cry. This isn't like a bad, no, not like a sad great. girl way. But... I just didn't know if you were like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I think I, I might have like, done that. I still didn't know what was happening. Like, Mucha was my idol since like forever. I have like live journal accounts. Do you remember doing those, those surveys where it was like, if you could be stuck on a stranded island with oh, like any yeah, two people, absolutely. mine was always Tom Ford and Mitra Prada. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she's going to hear this and just laugh at that and just be like, that's I hope so she cute. Hears I hope so. Yeah, let's rent an island. Have together. you had a conversation with her? Um, we did briefly at, after the, I think the show that we were at together. I couldn't get a word out of my mouth oh. and I am never at a loss for words. I was just like, <laughs> My heart. You got a little bit of lipstick. Yeah, and then she kissed my cheek, and I had her lips, and I was like, "I'm never washing this cheek again." Like, I thought. I mean, I felt like it was just such an honor to even like be speaking to her and just everything that she stood for. And when we went to the dinner, and I said I went to like go say bye to her, she like stood up, and it was like very awkward and tight. And I was like, she really didn't have to do that, and went out of her way. And it's one of those things that just makes you feel like, wow, like. This is a kind of homey space and it makes you feel like you can learn and be yourself and it's so great to like be around people who can make you feel that way and then happen to be people who like have really been on the forefront of pushing culture forward. I have a funny question. So do you remember the first time you came to New York? The reason I asked is because I remember going to New York and one of the touristy things to do is Mm -hmm. to buy a knockoff. Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, of course, what you're doing is like the hard work to prevent that and educate people and call it out. 
But I mean, me being from Southern Maryland and coming to New York, I didn't even know what like certain designers were. I just knew like that we could get really cool bags for like cheap in certain places in Chinatown and Canal Street. And I just never realized the harm or the depth behind it. So I'd love to hear if you have any knockoff stories. So (laughs) my mom and my sister would come up here on vacation without me, which is really (laughs) funny looking back on it. And they came up one time and I was like, Mom, I want um, – I specifically wanted the Murakami cherry pink clamshell Louis Vuitton backpack. And she came back and she was like, well, we went to Prada because I know you really like Prada. And I was going to get you a headband, but it was $400 for a silk <laughs> headband. And I was like, damn it. Um, she's like, but I got you a bag. And I was like, from Prada? And it was a Canal Street apple green bowling bag probably which they just relaunched yeah it's so exciting and i was like thanks and i think i put it like in the back of my closet just not me you just know? not me the knockoff was just not me. it was just not me and it probably smelled like plastic <laughs> <laughs> that's so great tony you have to tell me a knockoff story um so this is my sister in high school she was like super fashionable i kind of like looked up to her she still is she's so cute but yeah she was like super into fashion we came to New York City. We grew up upstate, and she ended up buying this, like, pink set of knockoff Versace t-shirt and pink and white zebra um, flares. Yeah, I thought it was so cool at that time, but it was a lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You've never owned a knockoff of anything ever yourself. I I have, like, pre-DP era. I needed something functional and nice, um... I was in China for a work trip and it was like around the Guangzhou market, uh, which is like super interesting to see. I've been to the knockoff market in Shanghai too. And it's honestly insane. Do they look real? Oh, yeah. Uh, Are are they real? No, they're not. Well, some of them, um, there's a thing called like night production Mm -hmm. or gray market like overruns. And sometimes the factories will like be like, oh, these bags are successful and we have leftover material. So we'll keep the assembly line open after official hours and and real bags come out the back door and get sold at these markets sometimes. That's like one of the problems, I think, with fakes that does, don't get talked about so much. But the people that are bringing them in in mass, a lot of the times they're having to use illegal shipping channels because you can't ship fake bags internationally. It's against the law. So they are using the same channels that drugs and weapons and human trafficking use. So it's, you know, a larger problem beyond just like, oh, like, wow, luxury brand lost out on some sales. Wow. So many people, and this is a little bit of a random twist, but so many people want to pay homage to the designers that have that we've all looked up to so much and in today's world I think it's really hard to figure out where the balance between doing that and completely knocking somebody off and being disrespectful is how would you teach people to do it properly it's an interesting question because it's kind of one of those like we always say almost everything we look at is also on a very case-by-case basis You know, we do have some insight and some knowledge, too, into the relationship that designers often have behind the scenes. And sometimes it's like, I literally know that they're friends. So I'm kind of more inclined to look at that as a lens to like, oh, that's an homage to some of Mucha's signatures over there at Marc Jacobs. But then he's at her show always. So and, you know, they're both riffing on like referencing the same eras and things. And it's just like, she's always done it so 
strongly and so consistently that it's kind of, you know, certain things you have to walk away from it. It's like, no, Prada doesn't own marabou feather. They just like have always used it to such a wonderful effect in the way that they use it, that it's right. a signature. It doesn't mean that other people aren't free to to play in that world. I think, you know, like at the very least, people like to know the source of inspiration. So like, just tell us like, you know, where it comes from. Do you have a message or something that you want dieters and non-dieters to to know? I feel like lately it's just something we've been thinking about a lot is um, consumption. The thing that's emerged is kind of also an important – it's like another tenant to why we do what we do and the overconsumption that we're being driven to, like, strive to, I think, because of social media that we should have a new outfit every week and everything like that. You know, we get people asking for tips on how to be more conscious and just, you know, we always say, like, develop your personal style and, like, yeah. know what you actually like, know your taste, learn more deeply about that. Um, I saw recently someone say, like, don't buy a piece unless you know you're going to wear it at least 30 times. Mm. Yeah, I think that's great. And, yeah, to you know, if you kind of, like, start defining yourself and finding your own place and your own voice within this, I think it's easier to make better choices. Yeah. Um, rather than like trying to be somebody else or trying to be some image because you feel like you have to. What about you, Tony? What would you tell all of your dieters and the new dieters coming? I think they know this, but um, I guess just know the power of speaking up and voicing your opinion, even if it's like someone with 200 followers um, that chimes in and just like says something that really resonates and, you know, the rest of the world can see it and all of these people that work within the industry can see it and... It has real impact. You know, people don't think about it, but I think our followers are are very woke and, and they get that, you know, yeah. their voice matters. Well, you're a prime example of the, of building it up from the, from the ground and paving your own way and amplifying voices that need to be heard. So I want to thank you for the work that you do and also thank you for being so honest and open on this conversation. Um, and if anybody has any questions, they can shoot you a note at diet underscore Prada. Yes. On Instagram, obviously, because it's the only social media that anybody's using right now. Just kidding. (laughs) And let's end with um, what you're wearing and why. Oh, yes. (laughs) Because I saw your shoes. Okay, 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 okay. I'm so excited. Thank you, Tony, for asking me. Um, So my shoes are the Miu Miu uh, ballet slippers that usually have like a lace up. I love, 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 love ballet slippers. I've always loved them. I used to do ballet. I also low-key, high-key, walk with my feet pointing out, um, and I blame it on ballet. So there's that. So these are like, (laughs) yeah, you'll see now. Um, (laughs) So they're like tan, and then they have two black belt buckles over. I used to also have like a really emo goth phase. When I got them, I was like, I just found shoes that were made for me. Um, (laughs) Anyway, again, Tony and Lindsay, thank you so much. Thank you for bringing Diet Prada into this world of podcasting, and I hope to hear from you soon. Thank Thank you, you, Noor. Same to you. you. You're amazing. We love you. You can follow Diet Prada on Instagram at diet underscore Prada. The Barneys podcast is hosted by me, Noor Tagori, and produced by Barneys and Transmitter Media. This episode was produced by Jessica Glazer. The show is executive produced by Anna Deutsch, Greta Cohn, and me. Edited by Lacey Roberts and mixed by Rick Kwan. If you like what you're hearing, rate and review the show. It really helps other people find us. And of course, thank you so much for listening. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. So now, now let's record, let's record. some okay. Mariah. You know what I was, oh.
Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no acapella, Mariah. <laughs> <laughs>